0: David Kim says, Ephesians shows that the gospel is not mainly about trying to force other people or circumstances to change. The gospel is looking to Jesus and living out the reality of what he has done. So starting a new series of the book of Ephesians this morning, we're going to dig into the reality of that. Welcome, I'm Michelle Berkey, and this is Praying Scripture, a weekday broadcast where we use God's own words to honor Him and to talk to Him about the things going on in our life and in our world. Join me today in episode 153 as we pray our way through the opening verses of Ephesians. But before we do that, we are going to start with a bit of worship. Often when we do a book study, I pull scripture from the passage that we're studying and use that as the worship section. So that is what we've done today. It is Ephesians 1, 6 through 8, and it says this, So we praise God for the glorious grace He has poured out on us who belong to His dear Son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that He purchased our freedom with the blood of His Son and forgave our sins. He has showered His kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding." So that is our uh, scripture for worship this morning. Will you pray with me? Father, we come to you through the blood of your Son, Jesus. It is because Jesus was obedient in His work here on earth and through His resurrection and sacrifice, We have the ability to sit with you in prayer. The idea that you have purchased our freedom, Jesus, is one we are so grateful for, not just the idea, the reality that you have purchased our freedom with your blood is both awe-inspiring, unbelievable, and yet the truth of who we as believers are. We praise you, God, for the glorious grace that you have poured out on us, those of us who belong to your Son. You have been so rich in kindness and grace in purchasing our freedom and forgiving our sins. This is the biggest way I can think of that you have showered your kindness on us along with all of your wisdom and understanding. And I'm so appreciative this morning. I <laughs> I feel like today is gonna to be a hard day for the words to come out of my mouth. And that is the path that I choose to walk on in this time with the understanding that everything that comes after is based on the reality that I'm here because, Jesus, you gave up your life for me. I thank you for that. I honor you for that today. I'm so appreciative of your sacrifice and, and God, that you have showered us with that specific kindness. I worship you today as the one who is even able to do that. I couldn't do that for myself. The fact that you could do that for me is worthy of my worship. As we move into this morning's topic, this new opening of this book, I pray that you would give Spirit, that you would give us insight and understanding into what these words say and how we are each supposed to apply them to our lives. Pray that you would help me with the words today. See. I feel internally like that's a problem. So give me the words that you want said and do with this time what you will. We offer it to you this morning. It is yours. I just pray that it would glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. We are in a new book today, friends. We start in an entirely new series and we'll be in Ephesians 1, 1 through 14 this morning. Ephesians is a letter written to the churches in Ephesus and the surrounding area where Paul spent several years during his third missionary journey. He was there almost three years. And that is the longest time period he spent in any one place throughout that time of his life. Ephesians is a very typical example of the genre of a New Testament epistle or letter. It has a salutation, this greeting where we say, where we see him kind of announce who he is, very typical for that time. And we see it also where, in, especially in today's passage, this opening section reads very much like a typical. New Testament letter. It includes a sender, a recipient, a greeting, and then the book goes through this close Thanksgiving exposition, exhortation, and closing. Now, those are kind of big words, but we see praise, then we see teaching, then we see instruction, like, okay, because of that, do this, and a closing remarks. And that's kind of a very typical outline of the structure of a New Testament letter. The tone of the letter is generally positive, and we see the groundwork for that in today's opening statement. It's generally believed to have been written by Paul. There have been some people who have disagreed with that in the last decades, the last few decades, but generally speaking, it's assumed that this is written by Paul in about AD 62 when he was imprisoned in Rome, under house arrest in Rome, and you can read about that time period in Acts 28. During this time, he also wrote Colossians and Philemon. The book is neatly divided in two parts, and this is also kind of typical of one of Paul's letters. The first three chapters is primarily doctrine, and the second three chapters is primarily practical application of that doctrine. So you can think about it as, here's what we know to be true, and so here's how we should live. Ephesus was a wealthy port city in the Roman province of Asia. The Temple of Artemis, which was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, was located here as well as the grand theater that held about 20,000 people. If you were with us when we prayed through the book of Acts, you may remember this is where the citizens chanted, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians, from Acts 19, 29-40. It was a revival center. The word of God came to Ephesus and spread through there through the entire province of Asia. There are a few main themes of the book. First is Christ has reconciled all creation to himself and to God. Second, he has united people from all nations to himself and to one another in his church. And third, Christians must live as new people. Now, there are a lot of subtopics, but those are kind of the main overarching themes. So as we proceed through the book, keep an eye out for when you hear him talking about this, Christ reconciling everything to God, Christ uniting people from all nations to himself and his church, and Christians must live as new people. Today, we have the opening of the letter, the introduction, and I'm going to read it in a different translation than I typically do because my posts on the Facebook page will have the text each day. We're going to cover chapter one this week in this broadcast, as well as split up into smaller portions every evening on the Facebook page this particular translation will give kind of a different flavor to the text than it will be on the evening posts. Ephesians 1 verses 3 through 14 is, in its original Greek, the longest sentence in the Bible. Now, Paul is known, at least by me, as the master of the long run-on sentences. But this particular one is the longest. It spans 12 verses, includes 202 words, and is one long expression of praise to God. I'm going to read you a quote, not from this passage, but from a NavPress study on Ephesians, part of the Life Change series. And it's kind of long, but it I think it will really bring kind of a different flavor to this first opening passage from this letter. It says, A house church's weekly meetings were patterned on those of a Hellenistic synagogue. The people might have shared a meal and probably celebrated the Eucharist, the commemoration of the Last Supper. Most of the meetings were spent singing hymns, hearing passages of Jewish scripture, reading, discussing, and hearing teaching about the scripture and prayer. Oral readings were not spoken but rather intoned as a chant, and because of the musical quality of Greek vowels, the language was more easily understood in public address when it was intoned. Thus, readings had a hymn-like effect. Prayer, too, was intoned, with a cantor singing a line and the people responding. The service was not performed for the congregation. Instead, all of those present, whether male or female, slave or merchant, participated. A member or a visiting prophet might have delivered a prophecy of encouragement or rebuke. A traveling teacher might have spoken or a letter, such as Paul's letter to the Ephesians, might have been intoned. So as I read this first passage, this opening portion of the book, if you didn't know this was a letter, but heard it spoken or intoned at a church, I want you to think about how you would feel uh, receiving the words, how you think about this passage if you heard it spoken at church. I'm going to read the whole passage to get a sense of it, and then I'll come back and pray through it. Now, that's a much longer introduction than I normally give, but since we're starting this new book, I often will give you a lot more background. But let's get to it. Here is Ephesians 1, 1 through 14. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, I am writing to God's holy people in Ephesus, who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus give you grace and peace. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. Even before He made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in His eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into His own family by bringing us to Himself through Jesus Christ. This is what He wanted to do, and it gave Him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace He has poured out on us who belong to His dear Son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that He purchased our freedom with the blood of His Son and forgave our sins. He showered His kindness on us, along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us His mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill His own good plan. And this is the plan. At the right time, He will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for He chose us in advance, and He makes everything work out according to His plan. God's purpose was that we Jews who were the first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance that he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. That's the end of the passage. Let's pray through it. Father, all praise to you, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, because you have blessed us with every spiritual blessing. And then Paul talks about these spiritual blessings throughout this passage. And as I go through, Father, I want to recognize those things and then I'll come back to the beginning. You chose me to be holy and blameless without fault in your eyes. You adopted me into your family because you wanted to, and that gave you pleasure. We praise you for the glorious grace that you have given us through Jesus' sacrifice. You gave us freedom because of his blood. You forgave us our sins. You showered your kindnesses on us, your wisdom, and your understanding. We are so grateful for these blessings. Forgive us when we take them for granted, when we don't think of them as as maybe as valuable as our own strength, our own experience. When pride gets in the way and we forget how kind it was of you to give us these things, we recognize that your presence with us, Spirit, is a spiritual blessing as well. You've given us this down payment, this guarantee that the blessing and the inheritance you have for us will come to pass. It's this stamp that we belong to you and you do all of this, you've given all of this, so that we would praise and glorify you. So let me never be found not doing that. That's a lot of negatives to create a positive. Let me always be found praising and glorifying you with my words, with my actions, with my life, with my work, with my conversations in everything I do, not simply when I'm in a moment of worship like this or on church on Sunday, but let me always be found praising and glorifying your name in every way that my life can do that. The letter opens with Paul saying, identifying himself as chosen by your will to be an apostle of Christ. I pray that as I walk through my days and you guide me into my purpose and my calling, that that would be as visible in my life as Paul's apostleship was in his life. He was writing to the holy people in Ephesus, those who were set apart to be your children, and he called them faithful followers of Jesus. As Paul is describing the people in the church at Ephesus and the surrounding areas, he remarks on their faithfulness. And I pray that that would be true of me as well. That if someone is referring to me, if they're telling their friend about me, or if they're sharing this broadcast with a friend, or if they know me in offline life, in face-to-face interactions, that, that that would be one of the things that they would say marked my life, a faithfulness, a faithful follower of Christ. I pray that you would grow me in all of these spiritual blessings, that you would help me see them as supremely valuable, but also that you would help me walk in them and grow in them, so that I would become more fully who you want me to be, so that I am able to better do the thing that is at the end of this passage, praising and glorifying you. As we open this book with this passage of praise, I wanna echo that at the beginning of this series. That we honor you for being who you are, for giving us the endless kindness and faithfulness that you give us, and praise you for what you're going to do in each of our hearts as we walk through this, this book together. Give us each the seeds right now of the insights that you've prepared for us. I know that as we walk through that you will be speaking to each one of our hearts in different ways, and I I pray, Spirit, that you would lay the foundation right now, that you would Begin to make that work in our lives, that we would be ever watchful for those things that you wish to grow in us through these passages. And we open this series with praise. We love you. We honor you this morning. And we thank you for being with us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, friends, for joining with me this morning in this prayer and this opening section. If you're watching on the Facebook page, we'll be back again on Wednesday. I would love to have you back as we dig into the second half of chapter one, which is um, Paul's prayers for the Ephesians. And I, I have a... a a personal fondness for the prayers of Paul. And so it's going to be fun to have that on Wednesday. We hope to see you then. If you are joining us uh, as a podcast listener, thank you for joining us on that platform. And I would love it if you would share the broadcast with a friend and allow them to pray with us. Praying Scripture is brought to you by Grace in the Gravel Road, helping Christian women grow a God-first life and business. And my heart is as we do this as we walk through this book of Ephesians and every other passage that we have have and will cover. I pray that we would grow in our relationship, that we would grow in our, our skills in, in the conversation of prayer. Pray that God would use this time to direct your life and my life, and that he would answer these prayers in mighty, mighty ways. But most of all, my prayer is that you will fall deeper in love with the God who gave us the words that we're speaking. Amen.